Welcome once again to Three Gens Theology. We are here uh, looking through the scriptures at the subject of pneumatology right now. I think we're on uh, podcast 411. That's not 411, but it's four because it's our fourth section, pneumatology, and the 11th one of that of that set. So here we are going through pneumatology again, and it's been good to see the Spirit's work in us. We'll continue that uh, today as we walk through this. Sai, why don't you uh, start us with prayer? Yeah, actually, well, I'll uh, comment. I'll, too. I'll add in. Okay. Uh, if you if you're if you're just joining us on our 400 series for pneumatology, we encourage you. We're just walking through a normal systematic theology, so we encourage you to go back and uh, and go through the 100s and the 200s and the 300s because yeah. they're all good. So <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm biased, but uh, but they're all good. All right, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, we just thank you for today. Um, Lord, we thank you uh, again. Just the opportunity we have to uh, to understand just a just a fraction of of, of your word, um, Lord, and that we have the ability to communicate uh, about it, uh, Lord, to uh, to communicate both uh, with each other and uh, and then communicate. Uh, your love and, and, and your theology to uh, to the world. Um, Lord, I pray as we communicate uh, today about the um, about the Holy Spirit uh, and then uh, a variety of other theology that, that plays into that, um, Lord, I pray that you'd allow us to communicate uh, communicate well, communicate truth. Uh, and Lord, um, we love you. Uh, and uh, in your name, amen. 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 Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those who followed Jesus at times would have thought that the rest that he gave them was hard. Um, laying on rocks at night, no place else to put their heads. Walking through dusty roads during the day. Following Jesus wherever he went, watching what Jesus was doing listening to what he was saying. The disciples had that experience day after day after day, and yet there was something about this man. There was something about this one who Peter identified as the son of God, who identified himself as, in fact, God. He was different, and he did live up to his promise. But on the night that the disciples sat down to supper with him, just before he was betrayed, Jesus spent a long time talking with them about another comforter, another comforter who would come, who would be just like him. And he said that when he comes, he will do certain things but he is a helper to you this one this advocate this this comforter is in fact the holy spirit and he's just like the lord jesus in that he is god and he is with us always Jesus, before he, died, before he ascended, said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit is with us always. 
And that's one of the things that we're going to discuss today as we begin looking at this concept of the paraclete, the one who is always with us, and then some of the things that that results in in our Christian lives. One of the problems with the word paraclete in Greek, guys, is that it's been translated so many different ways, and everybody argues about which is the best way to translate it. <laughs> it's, it's a word that uh, when it was first used back in, in the uh, Greek days, uh, it was used to describe a person who was like a lawyer, someone who came along and gave you uh, uh, legal and uh, uh, other assistance that would provide for you uh, a way of having another voice, another one standing beside you who could take your part. And so that idea has been kind of read into the concept of paraclete as it's used in the New Testament. But Jesus didn't seem to be using the word that way, did he? There was, there was something more to it. Something the, uh, when he used that phrase that said, another helper who is like me. Something that sets that helper apart from just being a lawyer who comes alongside to, to stand by you when we begin to realize that Jesus said he is not only with you, but he will be in you. There's something more about this paraclete than just the old Greek idea of a legal advisor, a helper in that sense. He's a helper. Well, I mean, we see that play out so clearly when in Acts 1 the disciples are told not to go anywhere. Don't don't do anything. <laughs> don't stay there. Don't do anything yet, until the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Right, right, and then then you'll be my witnesses. Yeah, uh, and so it, there's something mo- much more empowering than uh, an external help like a lawyer would be. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's something much more. Um, um, s- s- support and resource and there's several things there that right. that it fills much greater much fuller than sometimes what the uh, lawyer thought can mm-hmm. um, there's there's benefit to the lawyer thought but it doesn't capture it for sure right right the concept of an advocate kind of helps in one way in that the Holy Spirit, as we have seen in our in our previous discussions in uh, in Romans chapter eight, is the one who takes those groanings that are in us and groaning to the Father Himself. Mm-hmm. He brings to the one who knows our hearts, knows our minds, right. those things that need to be prayed about. We see in Hebrews that the Lord Jesus, as our great High Priest, is the one who defends us. Right. Before those who the, would say the individual help of it is is really beautiful. Yeah, the, the, you you've got your own advocate. You know you you have an advocate. You have a a, a lawyer that's for you. That's you know? right. The, the the individual part of that is beautiful, but it doesn't capture all of uh, it. It doesn't capture all no. of it because the the support and the resource and the strength and the empowering that's all uh, there uh, in a full sense as well. Yes. Be sure to read that passage of John 14 where Jesus is describing what the Holy Spirit would be to them 
that uh, another helper would be provided who was like him. Because this one dwells in us, he is able to be a helper in more extreme ways than we could ever imagine without that empowerment that the disciples had to wait for, Mm -hmm. without the enablement that he provides, without the help that he is to us, without his uh, assurances of who we are in Christ Jesus before the Father, without those things, we would have the consciousness that Jesus did something wonderful when he died and rose again, but not the benefit of all of that worked out in our lives. The Holy Spirit does that. He takes the benefits of all that we are and have in Christ Jesus and energizes them in our lives. So that Romans 8 passage has the uh, he dwell, who dwells in you line. Uh, we use the word in, indwelt, mm-hmm. right, about the Spirit in yep. us. We said last time that that is something that happens at salvation uh, because it's done, as we see throughout the New Testament, it's done for all believers, right, for all believers. So what is the difference between the indwelling and filling of the Spirit that we're commanded to do, to okay. have. Okay, all right, that's a good question. Let's, let's look at Ephesians and see if we can come up with an answer to that question. All right. When we look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer, and Ephesians from chapter 4 on, is rich with that kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. We find that there are some things that we are expected to do. And one of those things is that we are to be wise to know the things that God wants us to do. In other words, to be able to walk in the will of God. And one thing that helps us with that is the filling ministry of the Holy Spirit. So if we look at chapter 5 of Ephesians, beginning with verse 15, we'll, we'll see the language that's involved in this, and we definitely need that language. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, making the most of your time, using your time wisely, because the days in which we live are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay, we look at this passage, and the first thing that jumps out as is to understand the will of the Lord. Obviously, we know we have to read his word because that will is revealed here, but also we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And if we need that help, we find that in this place, we even need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. 
And if we are, it results in all kinds of beautiful things in our relationship, not only with the Lord, but with each other. Because we find that it works its way out in praise and worship and communication of truth to one another. But the the comparison that is made by Paul here is what is interesting. The comparison is between getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. Now, when you get drunk with wine uh, or any other hard drink, um, the drunkenness takes away your ability to be controlled by your mind. Your mind is muddled. Your ability to, to walk, to think, to do things, to control yourself is lost. But he com- contrasts that with something. He says, don't be like this, where you're completely out of control, but be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he uses a phrase that is used in describing a very special relationship with him, and it's a command. It's basically, if we were to use the language that is given in the verbs that are there, be ye continually being filled by the Holy Spirit. So it's a continual thing that the Holy Spirit desires to do in us, which we receive openly but passively. It's a work of the Spirit of God in us to fill us. We remember talking about the Old Testament people who were filled by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they they were filled to do different tasks that God wanted them to do. But the idea of this verb being a continual experience takes us beyond just the special occasions when we're supposed to act by the power of the Spirit but in fact gives us the idea that we're to be under the control of the Spirit all the time. It's not quite right because it is the work of the Spirit, but I, I have viewed the indwelling of the Spirit as completely out of my control, yep. other than exhibiting faith in Christ. He, he indwells me. That's right. right. But here I'm commanded to be filled. <laughs> That's right. So there is there is um, uh, my doing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would understand have happen is that the Spirit is continually working on His side to to, to, le- to lead, yeah. to direct, to guide, to help me understand. And what this is saying is instead of giving control over to uh, other you know, things. Being, being drunk, yeah. Um, then instead, give give control over to this one who keeps working uh, in you, uh, who who you know keep giving control over to the spirit, and so the spirit's work continues mm-hmm. all the time uh, on my behalf. I just don't listen to him. Yeah. There's time I don't I don't pay attention to him. I don't I don't surrender. I don't have his con- I don't have the control of my life be his control. Um, and so uh, I, do th- I do think there's a good, that good contrast in this Ephesian passage. But it also, it does get muddled. Our, our, our differentiation between indwelling and filling gets muddled by 
some wrong theological thought mm -hmm. and experience, right? Yes. The experience of people having this dramatic event in their life, and they say, oh, that must be really the filling of the Spirit. Um, when I would say God's great work sometimes is, is uh, completely internal, of a mm -hmm. person truly mm -hmm. surrendering to what God wants in their life. Yes, and, and then it may work its way it out It may externally. work its way out externally into some right. things. Um, but then the idea of the filling of the Spirit in the Old Testament really is a different thing. Mm -hmm. That's not the person. It's not the person relenting and giving control to the Spirit. It, is, right. it is more like the indwelling, though they don't indwell, the Spirit didn't indwell in the sense that it was permanent. So, but he did there, come upon them. It would be great to have yes, a different, a different word, a different word than indwell or fill to talk about the Old Testament, because it's not really either of those in our understanding of those words, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but filling of the Spirit is what is often coming upon them. What is great? That's what we see. One, some of that. Uh, actual biblical word, but filling is there, and that's not the same as the New Testament filling, really, because the, the, it's commanded. It's commanded, right? yes. Right, it's commanded, and uh, that's not what you see in the Old Testament. And because of the fact that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is going to be a true experience for all of us who know Christ, he is never going to leave us. He is always going to be indwelling us. And by the way, if, if you're confused about this concept of how could the Holy Spirit indwell uh, the individual down the block and me at the same time, remember the omniscience, the omnipresence, the <laughs> remember the, the reality of who God is. God is not only aware of where you are, but God is where you are. Hmm. And in a sense, the indwelling is a little bit like an enhancement. It's more of the Holy Spirit's work in me than what the Holy Spirit is doing in anything else or anyone else around me. That, that work of the Spirit of God is something only God can do because only God can have that close relationship with us that will provide that. Um, the other thing, though, that we have to think about is that the, if, if we see a contrast between my condition apart from being filled and my condition as one who is filled, we recognize that there are things that we can do that will cause that filling ministry not to be available to us. Mm -hmm. That's, how, we're it, that's how it can be commanded those. to us. That yes. That's how it can be commanded to us because it's within our control. It's within our choice. It is. To, and, and, to, to, yeah. to continually be filled. An example of that might be if, if, you, had a, uh, if you had a car and, and you walked around admiring that you guys have, you know, your new car and your truck. Okay, so you, you got, you got, you're looking at your vehicle and you, you walk around and you just say, wow, this is... This is such a great vehicle. I'm so glad I have it. It's really terrific. And then you get inside and you turn the key or you push the button and nothing happens. Well, nothing happens because there's no gas in it. It's fully equipped. It has everything you need. It would do wonders if it just had gas in it. 
Well, the work of the Holy Spirit or was is, charged is somewhat if it were an electric vehicle, right? <laughs> or is charged one, for one electric the, vehicle. Other, right? We don't want to leave that one out, That's do right. we? No. But the idea is that uh, you, it has everything that is needed. Everything is there to function as it's supposed to function, except for the source of energy, the source of power. The filling of the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to experience in every way what God wants us to experience as his children. That's a wonderful thing for us to have. It's interesting that you use the example of, uh, of not being in submission to the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that at the end of this chapter, the last words that are given are, and submit yourselves to one another's, to one another. Mm -hmm. If we have a hard time doing that, it's not surprising that we also have a hard time submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit sometimes. So. It works in reverse of that too. I, I counsel couples. It doesn't just work for couples, but it works for couples. I counsel couples to pray together because it takes our, uh, our, our own personal authority and puts it under under God mm -hmm. and which then allows us to put our own pridefulness aside in relation with one another yeah. uh, as well. So yeah, that surrender is uh, what we do before the Lord under the Spirit's control, right? Uh, and then as one of the evidences of that, we would surrender to one another, right? So be subject to one another as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. What are some what are some things that are going to be true of us then if we're if we're filled with the Holy Spirit? What will it look like? We would be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. That seems like something that would come from there. We would be giving thanks all the time, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yes, there's something that we would constantly be doing. Uh, what would our witness look like? Yeah. Powerful. We would we would be demonstrating through the way in which we interact with people that there's something different about us, that we're Christ-like. Now don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> we're not Christ's. But it's interesting that even the term Christian came about from the idea of little Christ's. Yeah. We're Christ followers and we are supposed to demonstrate the character of Christ and the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to do that. If I intellectually know that God is real and Jesus is the only way and I intellectually uh, see that someone else doesn't know Christ and I intellectually try to tell them about that, God can use that, right? Mm -hmm. But how much better is it if I'm surrendered to his spirit and I'm blown away that the Lord would offer his grace to in my life? and I can't help but share because I'm blown away by how good he is. It changes the way that we communicate, uh, even in our own attitude. Um, and then the Spirit uh, has us in a place that he can have us say what's good for that person. Right. You know, so it really, um, there's a big change between uh, an intellectual assent about things and a and a willing yeah. giving of ourselves, surrender to the Spirit. He he right. he empowers us in the right direction. Yeah. You know, yeah. He does. Well, what is it? We've been 
coming up to this, creeping up to it, but now you want to know, okay, so I have the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling me. Um, I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. What are some of the other things the Holy Spirit is doing in me? And those are good things for us to know. Uh, he has made us alive. Mentioned that last time. He has made us alive. Uh, Romans 8, 10, and 11 tells us that our, our bodies were dead. We were, we were dead in trespasses and sins, but we've been made alive through the Holy Spirit who is in us. The Holy Spirit reminds us, you, you quoted a verse earlier that is so helpful in Romans 8, he reminds us that we have a relationship with God the Father, a relationship of adoption, a relationship of being sons of God. He tells us, he reminds us, he encourages us with the fact that we, in fact, are children of the living God. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does in us. Even being brought into the, being baptized into the body of Christ, it is, it, there's a unity there um, of the, of brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We're, we're brought into his family and now we're, we're brothers and sisters. And so there's a unity there that the Spirit brings uh, to us uh, as well that is um, much needed, a much needed viewpoint in churches right. and in our culture. So the, the Holy Spirit, as Romans eight very clearly says, get, makes alive. What, what would what would you say to a uh, unbeliever who hears that and says, well, "I feel pretty alive right now"? What do you what do you what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, as we mentioned briefly last time, Sai, it's it's so important to recognize that there's a difference between just living your physical life as someone who doesn't have a living relationship with God and living the spiritual life that we are provided through having a relationship with God. We've talked about the fact that Adam and Eve died spiritually long before they died physically. They lived their lives for a long time after they had died spiritually. But when we are spiritually dead, as Ephesians 2 reminds us, when we're in that state, we're alive. We experience everything in this world. Uh, we, we, we vacation. We have fun. We see beautiful things. We write books. We make records. We do everything that, that seems like a human being is supposed to do. But unless we come to Christ, we don't know what it's like to wake up every morning spiritually alive. Yeah, so John 3, early John 3, would talk about needing to be born physically and born spiritually mm -hmm. to enter the kingdom of God. So everyone is born physically. We're all alive, breathing by God's grace that we're not judged immediately. Um, but we must be born again. We must be born spiritually mm -hmm. as well. Romans, Romans 6, that wages of sin is death. So we, we have that spiritual death that brings us... Um, that uh, is brought upon us, and as Jim is saying, the sun still rises, I'm still breathing, all those things are still happening in this life, but the spiritual death is, is reality, whether people confront it or not. Mm -hmm. And so I think those are, that's an 
important uh, um, as you talk about death and life in uh, in a spiritual sense. It does get muddied sometimes with I'm living a good life mm-hmm. <laughs> as is, mm-hmm. um, but there is that spiritual accountability before God that is there um, whether we are facing it or not. You know, yeah. Kind of brings us to the the issue of the fruit of the spirit which I would like to kind of jump on now because of what you just said. If the Holy Spirit is in fact producing fruit in us, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, all of those things that he's producing in us, it's important for us to recognize the fact that there is no experience in this world of those things to the extent that the Spirit of God works them out in us. In other words, all of the talk that we make of love in this world, and let's face it, right now everybody loves everybody, right? <laughs> there can be some kind of a talent show, you know, and the, the judge says, oh, great song, I love you. You know, what, well, what does that mean? I mean it, the word love is used all the time in so many different ways. But to know love as God loves us, to know love as, as we're uh, told we are to be and to have and to live in, that kind of love is so distinct from what we think of love in a general sense in this world that we can recognize the fact that this is a work of the Holy and, Spirit. And joy would be the same way. People can understand happy and and joy, but they don't really understand joy until they understand the the longevity of relationship with God. That's right. Um, that, the, that the Spirit gives us. So, and you go on through the fruit of the Spirit that way. And so, joy. And so we're freed as we're freed from. Uh, it becomes relationship instead of regulations. Right. Um, it just it changes all of that thinking uh, that the. The Spirit's work in our life changes all of that yes. from, from these things that are right or wrong are not a list of do's and don'ts, but rather what is a healthy relationship. You know, they, it's the same rules. <laughs> it's the same morality that God has. He has. His morality hasn't changed. Right. But the, the, that morality is actually good for us in relationship with him and with others instead of a, a burden, a, a that we have to carry. Yes. You know, and so it changes the spirit changes that within us. And the interesting thing is that although it's not a list in in that sense, the fruit of the spirit is actually commanded everywhere throughout the New Testament. Every element of the fruit of the spirit that the Holy Spirit produces in us is commanded of us somewhere in the New Testament. Well, what does that mean? If I'm commanded to love, that means that I'm cooperating with the Holy Spirit who is producing love in me. If there is a deep and settled joy in me, that means that when I am told to rejoice in all things, when I am commanded, even when there, when there is a, a difficult weakness or pain that I'm going through, to rejoice because God is at work in me, the depth of that joy is what brings me through the experience of those difficulties and gives me the ability then to say, 
I can, even in the midst of these problems, I can rejoice. I can be joyful because it's not like the joy of this world, which is so fleeting and so shallow. It's not happiness. It's a depth that goes far beyond happiness. So, a tangent from that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It goes on. Um, so a believer might look at their own life and say, I don't have, I don't have that much joy. I don't have really solid <laughs> peace. I might have kindness, but I don't know about meekness. You know, So mm -hmm. you can see where a, a, a believer might say, well, I'm supposed to have the Spirit in me, but I don't have that fruit evident in my life. Um, and so I think sometimes people begin to question whether or not they are, you know, really saved or all these things because they don't see all those things in our life. And I, um, that's, that's the indwelling filling thing we were uh -huh. talking about, right? Yep. When we come to faith in Christ, we are indwelled by the Spirit, and He continues to work in our life. He continues to work on us, to, uh, to draw us closer to Him, to help us understand. But we have a limited understanding, first of all, even in a healthy sense, we have a limited understanding and that understanding grows over time. Mm -hmm. um, but also there's areas where we haven't surrendered. Right. It doesn't make us not his. It doesn't make us not have the spirit. Uh, it just means we still have growing to do. Yeah. Right. We still have growing to do. And none of us have that list all cared for. <laughs> right. Right. I, I might have peace today, but then tomorrow something might happen. Any moment something might happen and my peace is gone because I'm no longer <laughs> surrendered to what he wants in right. my life. I'm fretting about whatever this thing is, you know. So, Absolutely. But I, but I do think that's an issue that when you look at what the Spirit should be doing in our lives, sometimes people then judge themselves to not be a believer or to no longer be a believer right. or right. to have lost the Spirit or all these things. Uh, but that's not biblical. When he saves you, he saves you for eternity and he continues to work in your life, uh, but sometimes we we don't surrender control. We right. we aren't practicing that filling, and then other other areas we just haven't. Our, our understanding is limited, so we right. have growing to do. And it's it's helpful for us to remember that the Holy Spirit is enabling our our new nature to operate as it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. The old nature is still with us sin is still there and as a result we often revert to the old nature to sin we we choose to disobey god we choose to um refuse his purpose and his will in my life yep. at, at that time i'm not going to experience the fruit of the spirit as i should because the Holy Spirit really at that time has to work in me to bring me back to that fellowship with the Lord that I desperately need that will enable me to give myself, submit myself fully to the Holy Spirit and walk by Him. So as we, as we wrap it up today, I think it's good for us to remember the fact that we're talking about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you as a believer enabling your new nature in Christ Jesus to be all that God intends for you to be. And he will do that freely. And we can receive the benefit of that 
by yielding ourselves to him, constantly being filled by the Holy Spirit of God. So we have been, as you said last time, we have been uh, crawling our way up to this, but I think next time we'll be jumping right into uh, lots of particular items that the Spirit does in our life. Um, And uh, so we're looking forward to seeing some of those many benefits of having the Spirit with us all the time. So looking forward to that on our next podcast. So it's been good being with you today and uh, looking forward to continuing this walk through what the Spirit is doing. Um, I try to say this relatively often in, in our church setting, that the Lord wants to do an incredible work in you and through you. And it is by the Spirit that that happens. Our surrender to Him does a great work in us. And then as we surrender to Him, He can do a great work through us in others' lives. So you don't have to be extraordinary, um, uh, but He can do an extraordinary work in you and through you. So it's been good being with you today. Um, Live fully. Um, um, Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making a melody in your heart to the Lord as you surrender to control of your life to the Spirit, how good that is. So we'll see you next time. Uh, talking more about the Spirit.